Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Okay, so putting this episode together, as you can tell, I was just getting like super annoyed about everything, which is funny because I do like the concept of a singles ward. I like the fact that I don't have to feel weighed down with kids all the time. Um, I mean, I love kids and everything, but it's nice not to be part of the family ward all the time. Um, It just gets so loud and noisy, and then I get easily distracted. And then there's just like weird smells and crumbs everywhere sometimes. And then you get the overbearing (laughs) parents on top of all that. So it's like a weird mix for me. So I've always enjoyed the fact that I can just enjoy church hanging out with people around my own age. But in putting this podcast episode together, <laughs> not so much. So, <laughs> see, I am the opposite. I really don't like singles wards. I've been beyond done with singles wards since like I was 25 and I just got trapped. Going to a family ward where your family is not actually in it is real nice. I do assume that would help. Yes. Yeah. Because if, if your family in particular were not a part of your family work, I feel like you would enjoy it more. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll have to try it out someday, which will be a lot sooner than later because I had my birthday the other week. So, yeah. I'm, I'm getting closer, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everyone, of course, we're talking about this like we have to. We want to. The thing is, when we originally thought about this topic, the idea basically was what if we talked about dismantling YSA words and how we would like ideally integrate singles into family words instead of having those leper colonies that are for singles words. So we're here to figure that out. So we're going to we're going to dive into that. We're going to be focusing on what singles words really are, why they were made why they can be so problematic with research, of course, to back it up, and how we'd prefer singles to be one way or another integrated much more clearly into the church globally. So this should be good. So let's talk about the history of the singles ward. Do you like how I got all my information off Wikipedia? I do like that. (laughs) Thank you. We get a lot of our information off of Wikipedia, so it it tracks. (laughs) So, as Kaylee said, from Wikipedia, it says, Singles wards are set up in areas with high populations of single adults. Young single adult YSA wards are intended for single members ages 18 to 30, and single adult wards are generally for single members of ages 31 to 45. Older single adult members typically attend their family or standard ward. Um, These wards provide LDS singles the opportunity to serve in offices of the church, where members are taught the same principles of the gospel as a traditional ward and receive attention particular to their spiritual needs. It continues and says, Previously, YSA wards were organized as either college-slash-university wards or traditional YSA wards. At colleges and universities with large LDS populations, student wards were organized to serve the needs of students in attending these schools. In areas where there are large concentrations of YSA wards, YSA stakes are formed. This should give us as singles lots and lots of opportunities to serve and learn. And I know that in my SVU student wards, oh, sorry, with the exception of my freshman year, everyone had multiple callings per year where 
it almost seemed like everyone was rotating callings. So like halfway through the school year, it was like they, almost like they cleaned house and then started over again and like gave people calling. There were a couple years where they were like, no, you're going to be the Relief Society president or the Elder Scorn president for the whole year. But like everything else changed halfway through the school year. Um, so like it was a really good environment for people to grow and serve in the church. But like YSA wards in school, like at college, are a completely different beast than a YSA ward not connected to a school. They really are. Like, I enjoyed being in them, like, in college. And I think that's why like, I still have some idea of enjoying them. I mean, was college a weird experience in Southern Utah? Definitely. But, like, some good came from it. And, yeah, we were always switching up callings. We had a constant flow of activities. And you also saw everyone, like, really regularly. Because you were all, like, typically running into each other on campus, on campus, in your classes, and so on. And I couldn't find, like, proof of, like, where the first YSA ward was or anything. Um, but it would make sense, like, if we did find it and it was, like, related to, you know, like, BYU. That would make so much sense. So it, so it makes sense why these kind of wards do tend to work and why they work better than other single swords. Because you're, you're already in the same sort of experience, whereas... Singles Wars also are like in Orlando. You get people who are working at the parks. You have people in, in other jobs. You have people like living with their parents. You have people who are not like it. There's it creates a wide range of people who you can definitely connect with. But sometimes it can get harder if you're not having a collective experience together. The interesting thing that I've also found uh, is, and I think one of the reasons why I have such like varying views on this, on the single sword, is because the the whole concept has definitely had different viewpoints throughout the last like however many years they've been around. Like everyone has different thoughts about them, which is really interesting. Like family wards, they're the go-to, they're the, no they're the norm, but single swords, they are this weird outlier that no one really knows what to make of them. But Mary Rourke um, wrote a really interesting article in the LA Times way back in 1996. It's called A Single-Minded Approach to Faith. Okay, so she, so she wrote, Any unwed Mormon aged 22 to 33 can join this variation on the typical family-based congregation. Church members, as well as clergy, say that the Mormons' long-standing emphasis on family values is the very thing that created a need for this other option. So already, like, it starts out with a with a differentiation that I'd ever heard about, which is saying that unwed Mormons age 22 to 33, whereas now it's 18 to 30 or 31, like, depending on how you, like, highlight that. And I also like how they say the emphasis on family values is the very thing that created a need for this option. So to me, that's almost saying, like, you're not part of the family. Yeah. <laughs> It really brings on the whole leper colony feel. It really does. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we can't have these people here. Like, they're ruining our They're image. a threat to family life. <laughs> Single people. Disgusting. Oh <laughs> so funny. I just, yeah. Okay. Here's a little bit of information. At the risk of losing young people like Workman, who is a reference single adult in the article, church leaders have allowed for singles wards since the 1960s. Their numbers rise and fall based on demand. It's interesting that the numbers of singles wards rise and fall based on demand. And I can only imagine that depends on like geography as well. But then on top of that, my thought hearing this quote was, 
I don't know what this means in general about the church, but what does it say about the church that YSA and SA wards were created to keep singles in the church? Did they notice that like singles were leaving at like insanely high rates when they were in family wards and so they were like we gotta fix this we gotta fix this and so they were like here go to this one place together like i just i'm giving major side eye right here like i'm just mm. well then if you also like think about like the lessons that are happening mostly in family wards those that are happening in the activities that they might have they're like activities are always centered around the kids um and then lessons are focused on how to be a better parent how to have a better marriage kind of thing. Like it's not always that obvious. Sometimes like we're talking about the 10 commandments, but they're always, always going to tie that into marriage and parenthood. So you put that focus, that emphasis on that family unit so much. Singles are not going to feel welcome. They're going to be like, I already know this and it doesn't apply to me. So maybe I'll just skip this certain lesson next Sunday and then I'll skip that next one too. And it just, it just keeps going like that. So yeah, side eye is deserved here. I think this leads us perfectly into the why are they problematic section for us. There are many, many reasons why singles wards are problematic. We could go on about this for days. However, we will narrow it down to three reasons that have research and quotes that actually support them instead of just our opinions. <laughs> we are bringing our seats, you guys. Yeah, we, yeah the receipts are important. <laughs> All right. So first off, our the main one of the main problems with single swords, why they're problematic, is the goal slash focus is to get married, which is a major problem. Okay. So to highlight, Wikipedia says this: a primary goal of a single sword is to provide its members the chance to meet other singles of the opposite sex and eventually to be married. Singles in a certain area can then more easily find other singles of similar interests and beliefs and eventually find a spouse. Groups are often formed to allow both the young single adults and single adults to conduct activities similar to those practiced in family home evening. Although these groups may exist wherever there are LDS wards, they are more prominent in LDS singles wards. The groups are sometimes led by a young man and a young woman, often jokingly referred to as the group mom and dad. Which I hated. Hated, detested, with a fiery burning passion of a thousand suns <laughs> in singles wards. Especially I also my don't think it's like ward. just jokingly. Like I like I'm I could have sworn all through college. That's what those positions are actually called. Like, you've been called to be a family home evening, like, mom group leader. Mm -hmm. That's, like, yeah. And, yeah, it's always been, like, super awkward because, like, I remember trying to use that language once. And I was, like, my my FHE leader, my, my, my mother leader. And I was, like, no, I can't. I can't do this. Like, I know that they're following through with their calling. But to me, like, that's the, like, a reserved title of like mom or parent even that you don't just get in like a church calling like that. It's just, it's just weird. That's legit. What turned me off of FHE in college. I went for like the first two weeks of my freshman year of college because I was like, Oh, I need to like get to know my ward. I need to make friends. And I got put in a group and they were like, okay, here's the FHE mom. Here's the FHE dad. And I was like, no, not about it. So I stopped going to FHE. And then in the second semester, I got called to be an FHE mom. I was like, I hate 
everything about this calling. And if anyone calls me mom, I will kill you on sight. Yeah, that's just that's just weird things. I don't like I don't like family home evening as a single adult. Like, let me just live my life. Like, I'm not in a family right now. I am a family of one. Let me do my own thing. Just stop trying to force this on me. <laughs> you don't want force activity with everyone <laughs> once a week. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yes. <laughs> I just saw you yesterday at church. Yeah. Get away from me. Honestly, I think like as we get older, like we realize we don't need certain things like that. Like like for the mother and father, the mom and dad thing, like we don't need another set of parents. So just trying to be friends is a lot better than trying to be a mom leader or a dad leader kind of thing. And that just gets weird. And then trying to force us to do activities is like when our parents used to force us to go like do this kind of things and make friends and all that stuff. Whereas we know what we want to do. If we want to go do something, then we will find a way to do it. If we don't really want to do it, then we're just not going to do it. And we have that choice. We deserve that choice as we're coming into our own selves as adults. One thing that just came to my mm -hmm. mind was, I don't know if you had to do this at SVU, but ward prayer. Wait. Every night at 10 p.m., we were supposed to pray wherever we were and pray for like strengthened ward unity. Oh my gosh. I think so. We could be in the middle of like a concert on campus or like some sort of other activity on campus and people's like phone alarms would go off and they'd be oh like, word prayer, everybody stop and pray. And I'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why are we stopping this literal performance? <laughs> why are we, why can't we just pray at night? when we go to bed for ward unity? Why do we have to interrupt everything we're doing every single day of the week to do this damn prayer? This is so stupid. I hate it. Granted, I went to like very, very few events while I was there. I didn't care to do much things. Um, but I do remember having a time when my phone would go off and be like, oh yeah, ward prayer. I think I can count the number of times I did it on one hand though. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Because I was like, no, I will do this on my time when I am good and ready to sit and talk with the Lord, not because you've dictated right. to me that I have to do it at 10 p.m. every single night. Get yes. out of my what? face. Prayers Stop. are not for everyone else. It's for you and the Lord. Like, you do that and you're done. Like, that. that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's supposed to be done in secret, basically. And it, that turns it into, like, a public spectacle of sorts, which I don't find very sacred. No. Okay, we went on a tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> back into this. It was bound to happen. All right, but let's go back. Let's go talk about the LA Times article some more. So wait, to refresh your memory, we're still on the reason why it's problematic, which is the focus and the goal of singles words is to get married. Yes. All right, so they talked to Bishop Anderson in this. And so the so it's written... There is one other activity unique to Anderson's congregation. You go to a singles ward to date, says Sharon Woods, a 33-year-old Santa Monica-based social worker who joined five years ago. She says, you, you meet people with the same interests, and you don't hear a lot of children crying. If we took a straw poll, we'd probably find one-third of the young people here are actively pursuing marriage successfully. One-third want to, but haven't got a clue. And one-third don't want it yet. We don't mention the M-word, but we don't have to. They'll bring it up. I mean, yeah, but they shouldn't. We shouldn't. All right. So this next quote says, 
I came because I'm at the age when we go through spiritual experimenting and questioning, says 24-year-old Matthew Anderson. A lot of times, like, people in singles wards are going through that spiritual experimenting phase and questioning phase and trying to figure out how to live the gospel fully. Yes, singles wards really help with that because it gives you other people that are going through the exact same thing that you're going through, trying to figure things out, and it gives you opportunity to share information and help one another. However, when you are focusing on marriage as the only way out of a singles ward or when you're only focusing on marriage and families while you're in the singles ward, you are missing out on those opportunities to learn and to grow and to build that spiritual foundation that you so desperately need to as a single adult. So the church website says, leaders should make special efforts to understand and address the needs of single adults. Leaders should recognize that single adult circumstances and interests are varied. Leaders should also be sensitive that single adults sometimes feel out of place when they attend family-oriented activities and classes. Ultimately, the focus, again, should be on addressing the needs of single adults in a singles ward and not on marriage or family or other stupid things like that. Agreed. Yeah, so this is from the guide part within the church, like on the church website for leaders to pay attention to. Um, to give them more instruction to better help single adults and everything. And I do like that it does emphasize this point. But I feel that while while family ward bishops take this more into consideration than single ward bishops do, because they just kind of take it for granted sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I definitely think that there is that gap of forgetfulness, I want to say, where like, People forget what it's like to be single. They forget the needs of single people. And even when you're a bishop of a singles ward, you sometimes forget. Like there's that transition phase when you become a new bishop in a singles ward and you're starting to learn about what singles need and bridging that gap of what you were used to giving in a family ward for support versus what you need to give in a singles ward for support. Exactly. Okay. So, and then here's a, here's another point that the LA Times article really emphasized. Notes that I really liked. So so Rourke writes, meeting people and perhaps marrying are at the heart of this community's life, but many members say they also need the freedom to explore their faith that this ward allows. And I do like that point. I haven't felt this in every single ward I've been in, but I've definitely felt it in a few wards where we do kind of try to take the focus off marriage a little bit more and we go into exploring our different ways and opportunities of expressing our faith and our beliefs, which is very important because, I mean, once you're in a family ward, yeah, we you do tend to share that same focus. And I feel like there's more of a focus on unity there um, rather than like sharing your differentiations of how you express and believe your faith and everything. I feel, I just feel like there's a little bit more freedom in the singles ward to express your the differences that you might have compared to everyone else. But it's true because, I mean, we've said this already, but when we focus on just getting married or like dating in singles wards. We miss out on the whole purpose of being in a ward with people your same age. We miss out on that opportunity to learn from one another about how to follow commandments, how to honor your covenants, how to become a better disciple of Christ. And we miss out on testing our spiritual boundaries in a way. Like we miss out on the opportunity to like develop those spiritual boundaries too. Amen. Yes. I love that you just added that because 
I mean, everyone's like, you shouldn't cross boundaries. You shouldn't do that. Like definitely like you shouldn't be crossing like hard lines or anything that you've already kind of set and everything. And we've been given guidance as kids be like, you know, don't do drugs. Like do like say yes to this, say no to that kind of thing. Um, which is all well and important because people are trying to lead us and guide us into good and healthy directions. But some boundaries do need to be pushed. And unfortunately, like it does mean sometimes pushing against the wrong types of boundaries. But that is how we learn. Like, just like we can't um, use our parents' testimonies um, for our own, we can't use their experiences and all of their knowledge for our own as well. There's going to be certain things that we have to try and do along the way. And I definitely felt that even when I was in college awards, I had more opportunity to kind of express myself and to test those boundaries. I think when we don't think about that and when we don't focus on growing and building our own foundations in Christ and his gospel, then we miss out on the whole point of the singles ward. That should be our focus in the singles ward is building that foundation for ourselves so that way we can make those boundaries. We can figure out what we do believe, what we don't believe, find answers to our own questions and just grow. Okay. So then that, the only thing that like comes from my thought process here though, is that then everybody needs to have time in a singles ward. Yeah. That's what like college age ward is for 18 to 24. You shouldn't be getting married at 18 and staying in that family ward forever. You guys. Um, it, well, it's just funny because like, we're talking about like, here's why singles wards are problems, but also here's why they're great. So things can be many things at once. It's kind of like a, here's why they are problematic. But if we are focusing on this way, that's how we can improve them and make them better so that they aren't as problematic. Exactly. All right. So the second reason why they are problematic, which we've already kind of talked about, um, it is they should be opportunities to grow, but they end up not being that way. So we've already talked about how these should be those opportunities for us to grow our boundaries, grow our testimonies, grow our spiritual foundations. But oftentimes that is not the focus of the singles ward. And that's not the opportunity that you get while you're in the singles ward. So the church website says men and women who have not married or who are divorced or widowed make up a significant portion of church membership. Leaders reach out to these members and include them in the work of the church. Worthy single members should be given opportunities to hold leadership and teaching positions as directed by the spirit. One, we already know that is incorrect because it's not a significant portion. We are the majority of the church. Which the majority, you guys. The majority. We are the majority. And we have <laughs> been since 1992, as we discussed a couple weeks ago in our talk or in our episode where we highlighted Elder Gong and President Ballard's talks. The other thing is that it shouldn't just be as directed by the Spirit, but it should be entirely directed by the spirit it should be we need to be in those positions for our own spiritual growth and through what we can provide to other people the goal is always to give ysas and essays opportunity to grow and to serve but it often becomes a case of the same 10 people in singles wards where the same 10 people have every single calling while the rest of the ward has nothing and it ends up becoming an issue because those same 10 people get burned out, they're exhausted, they're overworked, the rest of the ward is doing nothing, and they're like, oh, I'm not trusted with this calling, so why bother show up? They stop coming, and then leaders are like, oh, well, these people aren't coming, so they're not worthy to hold these callings, so we just have to keep giving these callings to the same 10 people. Attendance does not equal activity. 
I don't know how many times we need to scream that, but the number of days you come to church per month does not mean that you are more active than somebody that only comes once a month. And whether or not you have a definition of being active that works for you, that's not going to be the same as anyone else. And it doesn't make you better than anyone else. And uh, something that kept happening in my college town with our, our two full stakes of like each had like 20 plus wards. So there was a lot of kids. And what happened in our ward a lot, even like we had a great group. I love the ward that we were in. Like we ended up moving out of it, like my friend and I, but we ended up kept, we kept going because we loved those people so much. The only problem that came with that though, is because we'd had to take on such responsibilities, such callings with all of like all that we were already doing in our lives is that people kept getting burnt out. And then you just kind of like stop going to church a little bit because you're just so tired of everything. Like that's happened to me. That's happened to my friends. It's totally normal. It's very understandable, even though we don't really make it seem that way. Oh, I was going to say, so when I first got called to be the Relief Society president, I was told by my bishop that I needed to like pray and figure out who was going to be in my presidency, who were my counselors and my secretary, all of that stuff. I kept getting this one person's name over and over and over again every time I prayed about it. And so I texted the bishop like, okay, here's my list, included that person and said, this is what I really feel like I need to do. He saw that person's name and he said, they don't really come to church that often, so I don't think you should have them on that list. Did he pray about it? No. This was immediately after I texted it to him. Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah, but you told me that it's my responsibility to seek revelation, and this is the revelation that I keep getting. And he was like, no, we can't We can't call her. She doesn't come enough. You have to find somebody else. The rest of your list looks fine, though. That rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It was infuriating. So basically, I had to go back to the Lord and be like, yeah, the bishop doesn't like this name that you gave me. So like, I guess I'm going to need another one. And I felt like the Lord was like rolling his eyes in that moment because I sure as hell was. Well, yeah. And, th- and like, that's the thing, like when we're talking about like being called of the spirit and everything, we need to make sure that we're really listening and having that open mind and that open heart. Because like you said, the same 10 people tend to get those callings and you're not giving other people opportunities. Yes, everyone is going to translate the concept of these callings in their own way. And that's okay. We don't need to do things the same every way. Like when you were president, like we had such a different relief society than I've ever had before. And that helped me enjoy it a lot more. Did it complicate some things in like the more typical ways of how most societies go? Sure. But we needed that change. That change was a good change. We don't want to try to be like everyone else. We want to try to be the right group, the right leaders that the war needs at that time. Mm -hmm. What we need to be doing is having the open mind and allowing more voices to come to the table, to listen to the spirit to make sure that we are including the right possible people to be with us in leadership positions as leaders and guides. Like we need a wider variety than what we've been given. Yep. Like we need more of that diversity to create that unity. Amen. That kind of brings us into the next reason why they're problematic, which are singles are ostracized for not fitting the standard mold of the church. The best example of this comes from the 2002 classic movie, The Singles Ward, where in the movie, the lead character, Jordan, explains that any couple that's considering going 
or sorry, any couple that's considering divorce should go to the singles ward for one Sunday and remember what it's like, and then they'll stay together. I do not remember that. I was wanting to watch the singles ward movie, and now I would rather burn it. It's right at the beginning. It's very early in the movie. This is where I really feel like the term leper colony comes perfectly into mind to describe the singles ward, because people think that being single is a punishment and that being in a singles ward is basically being condemned to a fate worse than death. And while I agree that singles wards after 25 are a special circle of hell that no one should be involved in, (laughs) it is not punishment to go to one and it should not be treated as such. No, it should not. So the, so the information that I was pulling was directly pulled from the, the manuals that are for leaders to be supporting the singles words and everything. And that's what kept rubbing me the wrong way because this is how, this is how we tend to be treated. And I hate that. Like we are, we're, we're lepers or we're to be pitied or everything. And they're like, and I think there's a comment that we'll bring in later or something, but it says how a, like you can't go back to a singles ward until you're completely divorced or something like they were trying to like make weird rules like that, which is saying like, Hey, you're not one of us. So you can't be with us. That doesn't fit the sign that we have on the outside of every church building for starters. All visitors are welcome. All that just rubs me the wrong way. It's making these insinuations about who we are, what we're like, what's right for us without giving us the opportunity to decide that for ourselves. Okay, so aside from not fitting the quote-unquote mold of the church, which is married with kids, singles are looked down on and treated like children because we don't have children ourselves. Elder Gong said, Adults want to be seen as adults and to be responsible and contribute as adults. Disciples of Jesus Christ come from everywhere, in every shape, size, hue, and age, each with talents, righteous desires, and immense capacities to bless and serve. It doesn't matter how old you are as a single adult, you should be treated as an adult with valid questions, concerns, ideas, insights, and revelation and experience. Period. It should not be a oh, well, that's a good idea, but maybe when you're married and you've actually experienced things a little bit more, maybe you can understand why it's not going to work for us. Like, no. Yeah, that's problematic. I mean, I still end up often sitting at the kids' table with my families. Like, I get that. I'm okay with that because I have my nieces and I've been at the adult table before. Like, I, I get it. But there are still times where I do want to be at the adult table, and I especially want that within the church because I am going to have more in common with the adults than with the children. Not just because they're different generations, but for but for so many other reasons. As you were talking, I was thinking about one of the more recent episodes by the Faithful Feminists. This podcast is hosted by two other amazing women, and one of them is married, and one of them like has kids, so she's married with kids. And they were talking about how they'd just been able to build a friendship through that. I can't, I can't remember the exact way they phrase it, but to me, I was like, that almost sounds revelatory because we don't get that a lot in the church. And I feel that that should definitely be a lot more normalized and typical. Like, yeah, when singles are in a family ward, they tend to get callings given to the children, whereas everyone else gets to work with the other adults and everything. And so we're kind of infantilized in that kind of situation. 
but often we're going to make some really good friends and we're going to be awesome friends and helpful to people with families. There's no reason to treat us like kids just because we don't have kids of our own. We're going to still have a lot of these skills that other people have, even as parents and everything. We're not just there to babysit, but we have a lot to share and a lot to give. For real, yeah. So this also includes widowed and divorced single members of the church as well, because they are often ostracized in the church as well. It's it's so true, though. And it makes no sense because like, okay, I'm going to read the quote and then we'll we'll go into this. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> so the church website says, participation in single adult activities is limited to single adult members, assigned church officers, and single adult non-members who are willing to abide by church standards. A person who is separated from his or her spouse or is seeking a divorce may not participate until the divorce decree has become final according to the law. While yes, I understand that legally you should be divorced before pursuing other relationships and other avenues in your life. I get that. And I agree with that. However, there are a lot of times when there are divorced people or people that are getting separated in family wards that don't feel like they belong in a family ward because their family unit is being broken. And so they already feel like they're being ostracized from their family ward and then further ostracizing them from singles ward because they are not fully divorced yet is just big problem. Like it you're basically not giving them any place to go and any support whatsoever. And you're punishing them because they're choosing not to stay in their relationship. Right. So I've, I've read and I think I've listened to a few podcasts where divorced members of the church or even widowed members of the church have shared their stories about the hardships that they themselves have been the ones to endure when they have separated or lost their partner in this life. And it kills me because each and every one of them has always talked about, yes, like there's always like maybe one or two people who support them, um, but usually not because everyone acts as if it's a virus that everyone else could catch. And that is not what anyone needs. So when people are going through hardships like that, they need the support that they can get. We, should, we shouldn't be creating that separation, that divide, especially if we do want unity. And so to read this, just it, it killed me a little bit. For anyone to have to go through that um, because I've known people who've been divorced. I know some people who should be divorced, but they're too afraid because of what society will think when that happens. We're here to love. We're not here to judge. We're not here to like do all, any of that crazy stuff. I don't know. I just, I have so many problems. Like all three of our problems, like separate into like tiny nuances. So they will more quickly cast out someone who is separated and getting a divorce than a 34-year-old who is trying to date the new 18-year-olds coming into the middle ward. Yes. But I digress. Yeah. Let's talk about how we should better integrate singles into family wards. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on to the next subject that's a little, um, a little less rant-worthy. Yeah. So we have discussed this many times before, but we, mostly me, mostly Tracy, don't feel like singles wards are as effective as they set out to be. We, mostly me, mostly Tracy, would prefer it if singles wards were disbanded or discontinued. Now, before you grab your torches and pitchforks and try to burn us at the stake for witchcraft or heresy, please hear us out because we have suggestions. We don't just have complaints. <laughs> we, yep. <laughs> 
we know we know what's been going on and we have some ideas so let's talk about this um as we do dive in i do want to share something more from the church website and that currently says that leaders encourage single members ages 31 and older to participate in the regular activities and programs of their conventional stakes and wards. These stakes and wards can provide a full range of church experiences and can offer opportunities to serve, teach, lead, and associate with people of all ages. Conventional wards can also reinforce the role of the family and the home in the gospel plan. It started off good, and then I just kind of like, I mean, granted, I am not 31 yet. That would be Tracy here, but... As we dive in and leave the singles ward where everyone's going to think without saying that we failed the singles ward by not getting married, um, then they're going to be reinforcing in the family wards like, hey, here's a family, here's a family, here's a family. That would not make me feel welcome. The focus on families is always going to be sensitive, granted, to single adults because the traditional family concept pushed by church leadership, it's always going to say a without saying that single adults are failing. And honestly, at this point moving forward, like at that point moving forward, it's only gone to hurt more people. So putting too much undue pressure onto a concept that isn't always going to be possible and often isn't, let's be honest, um, is highly problematic. And there's a reason why, from my understanding, single adults are the highest majority to leave the church. It doesn't help that the focus from this quote, like you said, makes it seem like single adults are failing because they didn't get married. Also, it makes it sound like singles wards do not provide full-range church experiences. Like, I'm sorry, Deborah, we don't have primary in the singles ward, but how is our church experience any less than a family ward? Like, I don't understand that. Anyways, the church website suggests having stake single adult committees which we do know exist and are helpful to an extent. The website says, quote, the stake presidency may organize a stake single adult committee. A counselor in the stake presidency presides over this committee. The committee also includes a high counselor, a member of the stake relief society presidency, and several single adults. Normally, this committee is organized separately from the stake young single adult committee. The committee meets as needed, Committee members may plan ways to give single adults opportunities to come together for service, gospel learning, and sociality beyond their wards, end quote. Yes, leadership is important in these single adult committees, but it also needs to include single adults at all levels. Married people quickly forget what it's like to be single. They forget the mentality, they forget the experience, they forget the struggles that you go through as a single person. There is so much that you forget between being single and getting married. They are going to feel that they've reached a higher level than us, like the church kind of preaches. Um, by having a family, they're on that higher tier now. So they're gonna be like, I know better now. Like, I know what you're going through. I know all these things and here's how I can help you. And that's not how- It's not how any of this works. That's a false sense of piety and pride right there. Um, I, I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. Our church leaders are not going to really know that either. Even with the discernment of the spirit, there's not they can't experience everything that we've been through. And they need to more heavily rely on the spirit than their own experiences and focus on having empathy rather than sympathy for singles. So basically, our suggestion in this scenario is that if you are going to have a true single adult 
or Young Single Adult Stake Committee, it needs to be fully run by single adults. It cannot be run by a married auxiliary person. Like it cannot be run by a stake president or a state relief society president or anything like that. Like they can be there to like chime in and like offer like support, but it should be fully singles run. It should be fully run by singles. Right. So in some of what I was reading, like it sounded like there's like sometimes two committees for single adults, like one just made up of like married church leaders and like the higher roles because in those higher roles you do have to be married and then like just like a smaller committee of mostly single adults but that's not good enough if they want like one married person like the sake president on that i i could understand that because then he has he can they can be a lot more clear on understanding on you know what's going on and everything and make sure okay yes this is up to church standards or not but yeah, it, it just makes me think of, I saw this one article like five years ago about this panel at a conference of how to bring in more women into leadership positions. And the entire panel was led by men. Yeah, that's a problem. That's highly problematic. <laughs> They're going to have their own ideas from their own experiences. And none of that's going to be directly related to women. Um, so we need that to be highlighted in the church as well. So if you want to be helping the single adults, you need to make sure that they are included on like every level as much as possible. They need to be integrated into the decision making. Yes. All right. So here are some more suggestions that we have for better integrating singles into family wards. Like I previously said, I think university wards are fine. I think that areas that have high populations of members, like near the BYUs or SVUs of the world, have those YSA university wards. Absolutely. If keeping university YSA wards, you need to make them a true YSA ward, which would be 18 to 25, and then let the 25 plus crowd decide whether they want to integrate back into a family ward or if they want to stay in a singles ward, like give them that option. I mean, it's obviously you have that choice no matter what, but like at 31, they throw you out and they're like, get out, goodbye. You cannot come back here. Like, don't do that. Just be like 25. You can decide if you want to stay or if you want to go and not push it. It's called agency. I do like that. Um, I do think that when you're in the, like the right area, like you should help serve the majority. So there do need, there should be those single wards, um, especially like around schools and everything like that's going to be much more advantageous for everyone and much more beneficial. And then I do like what you said about the, the uh, cutting down the age limit. I think really they just let the older singles from like what 20 25 ish to 31 stay there because they're kind of hoping they can like clear them out if they can and get them married off but no because honestly after you're 26 the 18 year olds are cute but like you're you're already in a whole different experience and it's not going to be as helpful for them and it's it just gets a little weird and then i also like this next idea is that yes as these single adults do start joining in more of those family wards. These wards should then have dedicated singles classes, committees, and activities like they already have everywhere else in the world. So that's what the majority um, from our understanding of international wards are able to do because they don't have a high enough population of singles, single adults to have their own ward. So they have them in the family ward, but to create committees and opportunities for them to connect with each other. Yeah. For example, I know from my mission, so in the Philippines, they have 
a specific singles Sunday school class. Gospel doctrine, but it's completely led by single adults. It's attended by only single adults, and that's where they can, like, they rotate teachers, they learn from one another, they grow together, they have that opportunity where they can serve in the church, but just with their own age group. And then they go to Relief Society or Priesthood um, with the full ward, or they serve in, like, primary or in young men, young women's, like, all of those other auxiliaries as well. So I love that. But it also provides valuable ways for singles to serve in ward callings that are not just the typical like, oh, you can be the nursery leader because you're single. It'll give you child rearing experience. It gives them an opportunity to better grow as disciples of Jesus Christ while setting examples for younger and older people in the ward to become better disciples of Jesus Christ as well. Yes, that I was just going to follow up on that because... Okay, when you're a kid, you you see all these single adults, now that they're old enough, go off into the singles ward, and then they don't really return until they are married. So to your to your viewpoint as you grow up, at least this happened for me, is that you're like, okay, you're sent off until you can fix yourself and improve by winning yourself a spouse. Then you are welcomed back with open arms. If you come back without anything, then you have lost and you're a failure and nobody wants you. And that's what kids tend to see, like the adults, the adults disappear until they have a spouse. So if you don't want to disappear, you need to get a spouse. With bringing these singles back into the family ward, the children are going to be able to see that you can be happy and you can have a fulfilling life and opportunity and time in the church, no matter your marital status. And then, I mean, also it does help other adults and other married couples to be like, Oh yeah. Like these people are normal. They can help out in our society. Like they are valuable people who have a lot to contribute. Also just the, the trope of it helps to remove that trope of She is single, therefore she is a threat to my marriage. We don't want your stanky husband. We don't want your crusty (laughs) husband. We do not want them. Please stop thinking of single adults as a threat to your marriage. If you are worried about a random single adult in your ward being a threat to your marriage, you should be reevaluating your marriage and not evaluating the single person for being single. Well, and then let's be real. They're not just the singles you should be worrying about. (laughs) My uncle, when he went, when he used to, he, he's since left the church, but he used to go to church and he went to this ward. I think it was in Florida, like 20, 30 years ago. And he was just visiting and the stake president comes up and he releases like the bishop, the elders quorum president and the relief society president, because they'd all been having affairs with each other. They're married. It's a secondhand account. Granted. Yes, I know. But but again, you, like yeah, the you, single you, person is not the threat <laughs> to your marriage. Like, stop yes. thinking that, people. Focus on your marriage, on your children, on being a good person, and things will work out as they should. So, I mean, I don't know about most married people, but I personally have a very strict boundary when it comes to interacting with married people. I don't want to know your business. I don't want to know about your marriage. I don't want to talk about any of that stuff. We're not even going to get too personal. We're not going to get too friendly. Like, we will be friends, but we are not going to get close. You are not about to be my best friend because your spouse needs to be that person. Your spouse needs to be that confidant. It is not me. No. 
that boundary will not be crossed, period. I agree. Like I've had, and it's been interesting as like we're at the age where our friends are getting married to have things like that happen because there's definitely been situations where I've been friends with a guy and they've gotten married. So when one of my guy friends gets married, then I make sure that I have set that clear boundary of what we can and cannot talk about moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I try to be more careful um, about the changes in our relationships because our relationships change over time. And when you get married, every relationship changes. And then like when my, my girlfriends get married, then it's, it's still a little bit different as well. So it's, it's something that we always like, everyone should be aware of. My question is, I mean, you probably can't answer this, but my question is, do married people make a boundary like that? Or do they think, oh, well, he's married and I'm married, so I don't really have to worry about it? That's a really good question. I don't know. For my for my personal experience and what I've seen in couples getting married throughout college and everything is that it's not clearly communicated and it's a boundary that gets taken advantage of, like that they just expect it to be there without kind of clearly communicating it. But not everyone's going to see that boundary in the same way. And that's where I've seen issues arise. But I could be wrong. That could just be a minority of people. So anyone who's married who is listening and has more thoughts, more thoughts to share with us about this particular question, that could be very insightful. All right. So we're going to move on to this next portion. This one actually comes from the church website, but we have made modifications, which we will emphasize <laughs> as we go along. Yeah. The church website says stake and ward leaders can work continually to identify, locate, and shepherd young single adults through fellowshipping those in their age group, which is a callback to singles classes and family wards that we already shared. They are also supposed to create opportunities for singles to associate together in meaningful service, gospel learning, and social activities. Now, this is where we have changed things because we did not like what it said. It talked about marriage. A central purpose of these activities is to help young single adults develop their faith in Jesus Christ, learn from one another how to live the gospel, prepare to make and keep sacred covenants, and build strong relationships of any kind with people their own age of their same faith. So then the church website continues and says, support young single adults in, fu- in fulfilling worthy personal goals and in making decisions about marriage, education, careers, and finances. And then we come in and say, with updated information, because 40-year-old advice about finances, job searching, and marriage will not help anyone. Now the church website continues and says, finally, ensure each young single adult has, and we come in and say, access to the gospel library resources and studies from the scriptures or words of living prophets daily, using them to build their spiritual foundations, prepare talks, teach lessons, and answer questions about the church. So that is what we suggest needs to be changed in like that whole verbiage on the church website, because the original was things like have access to the true to the faith manual and learns how to make wise dating decisions and stuff like that, which like is really not helping anyone focus on the spiritual development and growth of young single adults and help them to answer their questions and to learn what the Lord would have them do throughout their lives. So that way you are building strong members of the church and strong leaders of the church in the future. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I love that because as you were talking, I was thinking if they put the whole, if they put the main focus on single adults to get married, then we're going to focus more on 
making a marriage happen than making a good marriage happen and making sure that we are good people ready and properly set to be married. Those are just small nuances, but they can make such a difference um, because I feel like we've definitely seen that experience in the last 10 years, I'd say, of Mormons getting married younger and younger because that's what's kind of been pushed on them all this time. And everyone's saying, hey, you'll figure it out as you go. Just get married. And that's not the best way to be doing that. And yeah, so what we also need is all the updated information provided. And honestly, like I deliberately added that line about needing updated information, such as like financial advice and everything, because we need more real information and more scientific research and work like that put into the church, especially for single adults to help us be prepared for the realities of the world around us. Like if they want to help us be really good people, we need to be bringing in our faith, our doctrine, and knowledge of the world around us. So I just felt like that was really important to be able to add here. So instead of like making marriage like the the center of the bullseye, it needs to be our relationship with Jesus Christ that's in the bullseye. And if marriage comes along the way, then it's in one of those those wider circles that are around the target. Yeah, I like that. That's a good analogy. So then I think that leads into this, which is if the church is going to focus on strengthening family life as like their main focus for singles, then what leaders need to focus on instead is how to strengthen and empower individuals to constantly improve, humble themselves, and learn how to change in the Lord's way. If we do this, this will indirectly strengthen family life because you will be fostering a potential couple that is committed to bettering themselves and becoming closer to the Savior as individuals and then as a couple. Strengthening single members of the church will only help the future of the church and the future of families within the church. Because while yes, we know that the hope is that every single person will get married and have families of their own, um, we know that that's the goal of the church. It is not always what is going to happen. If we focus on strengthening each single person on becoming a better disciple of Christ, building a stronger foundation of his gospel and of that testimony of Christ, then the person will become the person that the Lord wants them to be and will be strengthening the church as a whole. So if we focus on developing the individual instead of developing a marriage or like focusing on getting a marriage, then we will be bettering the opportunity and the chances of bettering families in the future of the church. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. So it would be backed up with statistics and reports from my personal understanding, which is the single adults ages like 19 to 25 are among the largest groups uh, who are leaving the LDS church faith. They are walking away and they are not looking to come back because of many mostly valid reasons. And I think that one of the issues here is because we have been pushing on something that they do not have and maybe they don't want, or the church is saying that they actually cannot have, even though they're supposed to have it. And so by focusing so much on marriage, on family, something that they don't have, something that they might be struggling with in one way or another, it is making them want to pull away. And so they're walking away because it's not working for them. So if we created something that's more welcoming, that's more true to our doctrine, 
firstly. Um, then they, they would come back. So if the church wants to continue, the church wants to keep growing. We need to rework how we propose, not just what the traditional family is, but let go of that really hard focus. And that's how we're going to really strengthen the church. I agree. I agree 100%. I mean, Granger, okay, so this is only like one thought. It's based off like a little bit of information that I found, and it's not going to solve everything. I don't want to say like this is a blank, this is not a blanket statement that will fix everything. But I do feel like it would be advantageous. All right, so we're going to start wrapping things up today. We know that singles wards are not going anywhere for a long time, unfortunately. And even though President Nelson thinks that singles wards are dumb and should be disbanded, it's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. And even though this dream may never become a reality, we can keep raising our voices to hope that some of these changes can be implemented in the future. I mean, like the church is starting to make changes that benefit single members by having more broadcasts, resources, and content that is directly aimed at single adults that allow us to see that we aren't entirely alone in our feelings and our struggles as singles. Agreed. I really like that. Pretty much, there's not a lot we can do, but there are still things that we can do. It's kind of where we're leaving this off. Mm -hmm. So we can't control everything. We're not going to be able to say, hey, this has to happen now or else. We can't do that. But there are things that we can do. We can make the programs work for us instead of the other way around. Being a single adult in the church doesn't have to be this difficult. And we can be the generation to make it a little bit easier for the next one just by speaking up and saying, this isn't working, can we try this instead? Personally, just in the way that the world has been going in the last couple of years, I feel like the younger generations are more action-oriented in creating and enforcing change. We're not willing to put up with systems and programs that won't benefit us. Either we get them changed or we leave them, which does tend to force some kind of change. So we can do this in the church as well. A few things we can do includes speaking up when you can tell that our voices are being silenced. We can stop talking so much about marriage and cutting off that focus so much. We can listen to experts regarding mental health, marriage, theology, religious programs and their advantages and disadvantages. We can listen to experts regarding mental health, marriage, theology, religious programs with their advantages and disadvantages, and find out what is proven to really benefit people. And most of all, when we do talk about these kind of issues, we need people to listen to us. So these are only a few suggestions that we have about how we think that we could improve singles wards or integrating singles better into the church as a whole, and just things that we think would help us to develop single members of the church instead of just focusing on marriage. And so we really hope that this can be an opportunity for you guys to think about what you can do and think about how you can help to make those changes happen in your local levels. And maybe one day we'll see those changes happen. It might not be in our lifetimes, but again, it could happen for the future. And that's what we're hoping for. Honestly, I feel like there's been a few changes coming along. So I'm a little hopeful for some changes, but we'll see. And in the meantime, we'll just keep doing what we can. So just speaking up. So yeah, if you guys have more ideas, we would love to hear them and hear your thoughts on <laughs> whether or not single wars should continue to exist or not. And what would you do to improve such a situation as the ones that we tend to be stuck in as singles in this church? Yeah. So thanks for listening this week, guys. We'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye.